Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to provide virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. Today, we have uh, Jamie, Jody, and Adam again here from Summit, and we're talking about the loan forgiveness on the PPP loans. So um, hopefully, over the last couple of weeks, and I know they just um, issued some new money out there, but a lot of loans have been um, given to people for these PPP loans. And so we want to talk about how to get the most forgiven. So that's that's today's topic. And um, Jody, I'll start with you. What kind of expenses are included in that forgiveness? Yeah, good question. Uh, expenses including the forgiveness. So when we're when we're looking at the, uh, the PPP loan, we have to kind of back up a little bit and, and kind of explain how the forgiveness is actually even taking place. And so uh, once you've received the loan, you know you, you basically can use you know payroll, mortgage, interest, rent, and utilities and benefits for your, your people are the primary expenses that they allow. And what they do is they look at that and they say, you know, hey, um, you have to have up to 70 or at least 75% of those expenses have to go towards your actual PPP loan. So if you, if you and then to, no more than 25% of what you claim as an expense for payroll would go towards the rent and the other stuff. So what, what the idea is they want to make sure that we're paying our people and continue to keep people on the payroll versus having them go on unemployment. And so that's the, the reason for the stipulation there. Now, how banks are going to look at that, that's going to be kind of a difference. I don't, we don't know if they're going to take a hard stance and say, hey, you can't have more than 75%. Uh, the way it's written right now, you can have as, you can have 100%. But we don't know what the, the, the different interpretations or anything. So that's kind of coming out, and I'm sure that will be addressed here probably over the next uh, you know few days uh, as we go through this uh, eight-week period. But when it comes back down to the types of expenses, again, payroll is the major one. So you're looking at your payroll uh, for that period of eight weeks, and then you're also looking at your retirement benefits you know in a similar way you calculated the uh the actual loan dollar amount so you're looking for that and then for utility expenses uh you're looking for your electric bill your internet and, and they also say i'm reading that you could potentially even take your telephone expenses which i'm sure they'll clarify that what, what that actually means over the next week or so but telephone utility gas all that kind of stuff all, all your utilities and then i would say on the rent side you have to make sure that you have your lease in place so that you know that has to be in place prior to february 15th you'll need a copy of that i'm sure because you'll be able to take that dollar amount for the rent uh within that period one thing I would say is don't try to game the system. You know, don't take you know, like four rents, you know, something like that. The government's really, really looking at these and scrutinizing, they're starting to scrutinize these things to make sure that you're truly deducting or taking against the counts that you really deserve to take. And plus, you know, did you qualify for the loan? And if they see that you're taking, you know, four months worth of rents or, or if you're giving all your employees $30,000, $40,000 bonuses to, to get them to that dollar amount, then you know, they're, they're going to say, hey, that's not the intent of this. You know, Bonuses are, are allowable, uh, incentives are allowable, uh, but, but making sure they're within reason. You know, don't, don't be crazy with things. Don't uh, you know, take three or four rents in a month. You know, that sort of thing I think is really important. So I, I guess those are the expenses that I would look at. Do you guys have any additions or subtractions for me to that? Yeah. Um, the uh, So a couple of clarifications, because I, I know there was some misinformation out there about whether it was net pay or gross pay. So definitely gross pay, right? We're all mm -hmm. on the same page with it's gross yep. pay, meaning yep. not after. There were some banks out there saying, hey, you got to take it 
after their federal withholding. Not the case. The other thing is state unemployment tax qualifies, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So your state unemployment, your SUI, if you're looking at your payroll tax reports. And then whenever you were talking about like employee employer benefits, like your 401k match, that's just the match portion, not the employee share. So make sure that's um, distinguished. And then your health insurance. And health insurance would include dental and vision. So anything that's like a the section 125 would be included. So that's just the the health, dental, and vision insurance. Those all go towards that 75% bucket, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And one um, common question we've got a lot is about contractors. And contractors are still not included in that um, forgiveness part, correct? That's correct. Originally they were, and then they decided, hey, that's not that's not how we, we, we don't want to double, double pay them. So yeah, they took them out. Great. So Adam, we obviously listed off a lot of things there. So um, I think documentation is going to be super important here. So do you want to kind of talk about what we're talking about with our clients in terms of keeping all this documented over this eight-week period? Yeah, just uh, really the payroll reports. We think that it'll probably be, you know, to Jody's point earlier, he was saying don't run for rents. We assume that it'll be kind of accrual-based, meaning it'll go by the pay period. You know, I, I assume they won't make us like go out and change our pay periods to sneak in a payroll right at the 11th hour to get it into the eight week window. So having your payroll reports, what we're recommending to all of our clients is to, you know, keep track of all these bills as you pay them, put them in a separate um, loan forgiveness folder. So as you're paying your utility bills, put them in there. If you get a bill for rent, great, put it in there. If you don't, just make sure that you have a copy of the lease that spells out like what you're... And of course, um, as Jody mentioned, it has to be a lease that was in effect before February 15th. Um, otherwise, it, that won't qualify if, if it's like a self-rental and you've bumped up the rent since then. And then those payroll reports. And then we're also telling clients like just to track the forgiveness amount as they go. So it's really important to, you know, we gave all of our clients a, a spreadsheet to track all this, but I think we're going to elaborate a little bit more on it and have the people individually, like, so week by week, even if you get paid bi-weekly, we'll have you break it down into a weekly basis, you know, put the hours down, put the dollar amount, and then that way you can track your head count for the four weeks and track your totals. And then the supporting documents for that will be the the payroll forms. The problem is, of course, is that the banks will have all their own, every bank will have their own form, their own requirement. So don't think you're going to get out of anything by doing this. The nice thing is you'll already have it kind of figured out and you'll already know what your forgiven versus unforgiven portion of the loan will be. And then you can just, you know, enter it really quick on their form. I think with that point, like the tracking it as you go is super important. And I think, again, Jody said we don't want to be gaming the system, which all three of us agree with here. But at the same time, you want to make sure you know where you're at. So if you're if you're in week four and forgiveness is a lot less than you think and you're thinking about making a hire at that point, it can help you make an educated decision there. Well, okay, what is this hire going to do for my forgiveness or um, other things like that? So it is important to make good decisions with this with this loan money, but you don't necessarily want to game the system as well. Yeah. And I think in terms of like the, the bonuses are really important because whenever you, I mean, I don't know about the two of you, but what I'm seeing with my clients is there's like a small unforgiven portion just because for those clients that don't have a high amount of rent, you know, because having 25% is nice for rent. But if you're not in a high rent district, it might be one of those situations where we're just naturally going to have this built in unforgiven portion, which for some clients, as we know, the unforgiven portion is a loan. You know, it's deferred for for six months, and then it turns into a loan paid over two years at one percent interest. So, kind of a good deal. But one of those things where we'd prefer for 
to be forgiven. So the bonuses are kind of a big question mark, I think, for a lot of our clients. And as Jody mentioned, I think it has to be kind of a normal course. But we know we also can't pay an individual over that eight-week period over, what, $15,310? Correct. So it's not like if somebody was already on pace to make $80,000 a year, you couldn't give in, you know, they were going to make Thirteen grand, or whatever the the dollar amount is, you couldn't give them a bonus that's going to exceed that anyway, because you're not going to it's not going to qualify. So yeah, you, you could definitely still give them the bonus, but only part of it would qualify. Yeah, I guess is what, what we're seeing there. Which you, you know, obviously, you don't want we don't want you to gain the system there. So the fifteen thousand that eight week period is really the maximum. Fifteen thousand, I think, is three hundred fifty dollars or something like that is the maximum you can make in that eight week period. So even if you started somebody. You know, halfway through the year and their, their commission ramps up or down, 15000 is the max that they can make in that eight-week period. So that's real important to, uh, to understand the way that the guidelines are written right now. You know, who knows? They may come out and revise those in the next eight weeks and have better clarification on, on what they have. But for right now, it's, uh, it's simply that 15350 uh for eight weeks. Are you two having clients like ask contractors to jump on the payroll or how are you, you know, getting your head count up and your... Again, a gaming system. If they're on payroll, if you bring them on payroll, guess what? They're going to stay on payroll from, right. from here and here to eternity. So, yep. if you do do something like that, you know, great. The IRS and have no issues with that because they'd rather than be employees anyways. But they would continue on only as employees after that pack. Oh, the other thing I wouldn't do is I wouldn't raise all their income and to, to maximize your your forgiveness amount and then let them go in week nine. <laughs> that also probably wouldn't be a great idea just because, again, uh, gaming the system there. So the idea is keep them off unemployment. So you just have to be real careful what your actions are within that eight-week period because the worst-case scenario is you well, – I don't, even know, I don't really know what the worst-case scenario would be if you got caught uh, trying to game the system. It would be uh, not, not very good. You'd obviously have to repay back the entire thing, and I'm sure there would be major penalties – assessed and I'm sure that the you know it would not be a good situation for you. So don't do anything really stupid. Don't give yourself some really big bonuses during that period. You know, play it out as you normally would, you know, from you know a day-to-day perspective. Yeah, yeah I think back to your contractor question, Adam, real quick. I think what I've been doing is um, again not gaming the system, but I have several clients that have had contractors. They've been thinking about turning into employees anyways. And so you know my advice to them is hey if you're gonna do it, this is the time to do it. You know, might as well get the benefit for them because you're gonna um, obviously move them into an employee, which you were thinking about doing in the first place, and you'll get more of this forgiveness. So I've had a couple of those conversations with clients that I was aware um, were had those type of contractors. And I think it's also important, like maybe you do have like a little short stint project that you want to get accomplished over the next like three months instead of hiring a contractor to do that. It's just a short term employment engagement. You know what I mean? Like they know going in that it's, I, I only need you to complete this thing for three months and then it's on the payroll. It helps with the head count. It's, it's covered under the forgiveness portion. The other um, more creative thing that I've seen for people that are, you know, maybe applies more to like hourly folks or people that are on the front lines is, is hazard pay premiums for hourly folks that have, you know, make sense for people that are, you know, maybe not on on this listening to this podcast, but you know that's one of those things you hear circulated as well. And that, I think that could go for anybody, not just on the front line, but anybody coming back to work and they're not 100% sure they want to come back to work. You know, you give them an incentive to come back, a financial incentive, just because maybe they feel even if you're working in an office that that hazard pay, um, you know, could be justified in that case. Yep, definitely. 
Okay, so Jody, can you touch on the timing of the forgiveness for us? So I know that obviously there's the eight-week period here, but if I want to get that forgiveness, what are the steps I'm going to take and when do I need to take those steps? Yeah, so I guess that right after the eight weeks, um, you need to then approach the bank and and uh, start you know gathering all your information, ask them what, the information that you need. And that's going to vary, again, dramatically from bank to bank. I, I guarantee it. Uh, so you, so whatever the bank, whatever bank you're banking with, you just kind of fall by what they want. And so you, you'll gather that information, you put it in a file form, you give it to them, and then afterwards they've got 60 days to forgive that or to make a determination on the forgiveness of the loan. So, uh, so you've got about a 60 day window afterwards in which you'll technically have a loan on your books at that point all the way through. And then 60 days after then part of that loan or all of that loan or none of that loan will be forgiven. And then you'll be, you'll be notified at that point, uh, the reason why. Okay. And then, um, once you know what's, uh, not forgiven, how are we recommending people, um, work with that addition, the difference right there? So Adam, I'll, I'll start with you on that. So if I, if I have a $200,000 loan and only $150,000 being forgiven, what do you, what are we recommending doing with that $50,000 difference there? Yeah, just, that's a client by client determination, but in some instances where they haven't been as impacted, you know, there might be an opportunity there to pay that back is probably, you know, the first one. And then other people that have either been greatly impacted, you know, because the loan, it took a little while to get. So people's cash reserves might have been impacted pretty tough um, beforehand. So people will use that as a, a buffer, um, you know, for the next year or two, just to kind of help uh, with their cash and, you know, cash reserves. Yeah. And I, I would also add to that, you know, there's so much uncertainty out there uh, right now, even when people are coming back, just because you're cash heavy now, potentially, or maybe uh, you're in a position where you think, you know, I don't need this money now. I'm going to go ahead and send it back. I would probably still hang on to it for a little bit because there's really so much uncertainty. You really don't know how things are going to be impacted two or three months down the road. You, you might end up needing that money. So I wouldn't necessarily put yourself in the hole, but uh, keep it keep it there because it's such a low interest rate. 1% is very, very low. And uh, so it's, it's definitely, in my opinion, worth the risk on, on keeping on the books and paying a little in interest just to make sure that you've got the money down there. And then maybe in, in December, you, if everything's recovered and you're feeling great, then go ahead and pay it off by the end of the year. But I, yeah. I would definitely hold on to it and keep it in your cash reserve for at least a little bit. Because there's no prepayment. Yeah, there's no yeah. prepayment. So there's no right. real, it's not like you have to make that decision within that 60 day bank period. Right. Yeah, so I'm telling my clients, it's not like this is a payday loan where you know it's like this really bad loan that you you want right. to get off your book as soon as possible. This this loan is pretty uh, pretty favorable for anybody that has it. And again, we have s- several clients that were in a not a great spot prior to this, and so any any non forgiveness they've they've found on this loan is is going to be a a pretty nice sized loan for them to pay over at a pretty low percent. So I think we've been um, talking to them about that as well. So. So the last question, um, so related to taxes. So obviously there's, there's forgiveness portion of here, which we've, um, we know is going to benefit us greatly. Do I need to pay taxes on, on the, the part that's been forgiven? How's, how's that going to work? Luckily, no. So there is no taxes on the uh, forgiveness portion or taxes on the expenses that you're using against it. So the government has made this a completely tax-free benefit for you as a taxpayer that received this uh, money and received it in the, uh, in, in the manner it was intended to be. Great. So that, that's that's going to be really nice because again, you're you're basically getting a certain amount of revenue for these these eight weeks that are going to help you pay for those expenses. But again, you're basically getting that tax free, which is um, not reducing it at all. So that's a, a great advantage to this. So, um, any any final thoughts? Any other things that companies should be thinking about in terms of this forgiveness? 
The only thing that we're kind of still uncertain about is the employee headcount and how that's going to be taken into consideration. Because keep in mind, there's always two parts to this the conversation. The first part is keeping the employee wages to a certain dollar amount. The second part is keeping the employee headcount to a certain dollar amount. So we know what the headcount's going to be at the end because you've got to have you know the X amount of people at the end of your eight week period or in June 30th uh, to determine the, where the head count, where the head count falls on the top part of the uh, calculation. We're just not a hundred percent sure on the clarification on the bottom part. So I'm sure that'll be coming out fairly soon. It's my understanding that if it's your, if you just started in January, February, use those numbers, uh, employee head count there, the average, if you're seasonal, you use last year's numbers during this period. And then uh, for the, for those people that aren't seasonal, we're not sure if you're using, December 31st numbers, how it was determined, you know, how your payroll was originally determined, or if you're using February 15th numbers. There's not a ton of clarification on that out there yet. And I'm sure, again, that will be something that will be coming down the uh, down the pike as well. Yeah, we expect some additional guidance coming out here any minute in terms of like the real, true, kind of the final questions people have on this forgiveness. So hopefully that comes out soon and we can, um, we can do another podcast on it, or it'll obviously be on our website, anything more we find. Great. So that's, that's all for, um, for this show. Um, I appreciate you guys joining us. I think this is a great topic. Obviously, a lot of people have been talking about the PPP part, and now it's part, the second part of it. We really have to think about how we're going to get the majority of that forgiven. So I um, appreciate you guys joining, and uh, great show. Thanks. Thanks. Enjoy this episode? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry. 